Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, everybody. We are so many tonight. Come on, Jesus. Yeah, so um, this week was graduation week, right? And uh, I had the privilege of having my graduation, me and my wife. <laughs> And so I really felt like um, the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell people to study and uh, to pursue tertiary education and stuff, you know. So I don't know if there's anybody here who graduated this week. Joanna, did you? Anybody else? Won't you guys just stand? I just want to pray for you. And stretch your hands to them. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. For the tool that you've placed in their hands, we thank you, God, that you're going to open doors that they never imagined, and you're going to use them in this field. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom together with their knowledge, Lord, so that they can apply it and be a blessing in every sector where they may find themselves, Lord God. I thank you for boldness, that they'll know that they are emissaries of the kingdom of God and ambassadors where you have planted them, Lord God. And we praise you for the achievement in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So if you're considering studying your master's or if you only have your bachelor's, do your master's, do your PhD, do that. Tell your neighbor, study. Huh? If you just have matric, study. <laughs> Amen. God really is busy taking the church outside of the church and uh, having knowledge and wisdom, understanding and things that are secular gives us an edge in the way that we make an impact in our society. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So I'm going to jump right into our message. We don't have much time, but uh, today we're talking about Passion Week. We're starting with Passion Week, and it's Palm Sunday. Usually, actually, it's supposed to be on Monday from a historical point of view, but we obviously have church on Sunday, so for us it's us and I. And it is so important this subject because most of the time in our past, we have celebrated Palm Sunday the same way that the Jewish people would celebrate Palm Sunday. So on a Palm Sunday, you'd come into church and then uh, you would see like palm trees lying around, palm branches lying around and people's clothes lying around and everyone's like, Hosanna, 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 right? And what is important is that palms. Palm Sunday is not meant to be celebrated like that for Christians. For the believer, it's different. There are many feasts that are in the Old Testament that are Jewish feasts that we as Christians don't celebrate the same way. Why? Because those feasts were supposed to typify the Messiah. They were, they were a type and a shadow of what was coming. They were an example of Jesus. But now that Jesus has come... We celebrate Jesus, and we no longer celebrate the shadow and the type. Amen? It's like having a long-distance relationship, and you always used to interact with the picture. But once the person comes, you no longer interact with the picture. As that will be weird. Amen? So, Palm Sunday was a celebration which is predicated on the fact that the Messiah was coming. And the Jewish people, thank you, the Jewish people had this anticipation of a Messiah which is prophesied throughout the Old Testament of this one that would come. And he's similar to David. He is a political figure that would come as a king to overthrow and to deliver them 
from political oppression. So this is the expectation as people are awaiting a Messiah coming in, they are expecting someone who will deliver them from the Roman conquest. And so this morning, that's where we find the scripture. As we welcoming this king, this Messiah, we go to Matthew We'll read together here the account of Jesus actually entering in to Jerusalem. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, this is Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, this is the prophet Zechariah, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold your king. Now, this king is not a religious king. When we're saying here, Jesus, you'll be lifted higher. Let our king. What most people there are referencing that kind of language as a spiritual king. But these people were referencing it as a political king. So they were saying, the prophecy says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey. And then it continues. On a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on, put on them their clothes. And Jesus, he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their clothes on the road. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him... And that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now this terminology here for the Jew is political terminology. So this is not a church rally that is coming into Jerusalem. This is a political rally. Because if they claim that there is another king coming in, that is akin to treason. Why? Because the Roman Empire is in charge and there is only one king. His name is Caesar. And so the people, when they say Hosanna, it actually means viva. 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 This is what's coming into Jerusalem. Do you understand? And so most of us growing up in a democracy have no notion of what it means to live in a kingdom. Except maybe if you are part of a certain tribe <laughs> and there are kings in that tribe. But even in that instance, if you are not living at the village, most of you are living here oblivious of what the king wants or says. But this Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and he's coming as a king and what we're going to see from the scripture is that he's not just coming as king of the Jews. He is coming as king of kings and lord of lords. And it says, verse 11, and the crowd said, verse 10, and when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. 
And the question is, what is Jerusalem? What is the importance and relevance of Jerusalem? To the Jew, Jerusalem is the center of the earth. Jerusalem is the capital city of Israel. It's known as the city of David. And what Jesus is doing there, and the Bible says that when Jesus returns the second time, he comes to Jerusalem. And he lands his foot on the Mount of Olives, which is right here. And he begins to establish his rule, not only in Israel, but over the nations of the world. So when they are recognizing him coming into Jerusalem, they're actually claiming that he is the Messiah which is sent. Not only as a spiritual head, but as a political head. And if you'll notice that today, Jerusalem is in great controversy because of the fact that there are three, there are three religions that claim that Jerusalem is their holy city. The Christians, the Jews, and the Muslims. And right now, most recently, you saw the United States of America for the very first time, even from 1946, moving their embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. This is to show you that God is working his sovereignty among nations in order to usher in the second coming of his son. This move is going to cause mighty con con like provocations against the nations around. And the prophecy says that when they begin to attack Jerusalem, watch, the Son of God is coming to deliver them. And you might say, yeah, but what about these human, what, these human things that are happening and the rights of this and uh, this? We are talking about kingdoms here. Tell your neighbor, there's no voting in kingdom. <laughs> you cannot strike at a kingdom. So when God is deciding that this is what's been shifted and this nation and this city belongs to these people, there is no opinion that will shift him from it. And so the question is, what is your Jerusalem and how are you welcoming Christ into that place? How are you welcoming Christ into this place? 37 BC, before Christ Herod is appointed king of the Jews, a Jewish guy on behalf of Roman conquest, and he reconstructs the second temple. And then 30 AD, around, is the crucifixion of Jesus, because this event here is happening on the third year of Jesus' ministry. He starts at the age of 30, because that's the age when you become a priest in Israel, and he is at the end of his ministry, ready to go to the cross. So he's crucified outside of Jerusalem, which is very significant. And then 70 AD, the second temple is destroyed during the Jewish-Roman wars. This is about, what, 50 years? 40 years after, after the Messiah. The Romans send a conquest into Jerusalem and says, wipe everything down. And then 337 AD, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is completed and believed by some Christians to be Jesus' tomb. And today in Israel, you will find that location where they say this is actually the tomb of Jesus. 614 AD, the Persians conquer the city, expelling the Jews. And 691 AD, 
after the capture of Jerusalem by early Muslims, the Dome of the Rock is built on the site of the old Jewish temples, and the stone at its center is believed by the Jews to be the rock from which the world was created, and by some Muslims to be the rock from which Muhammad ascended to heaven. And so the question is, many people have this understanding that Christianity is for you guys that believe in Jesus. Many people have this understanding that the scripture and the word of God only applies to the Christians. Wrong. This is sovereign divine law that applies to every single nation under heaven. And that is why right now we have the government making certain movements to change laws and to begin to open the floodgates of immorality in certain respects, touching laws pertaining to the infant. I'm telling you, when the government begins to turn its back on God, they begin to turn their face towards death. We've seen it repeated over and over. Look at Eastern Europe. And so Jerusalem becomes the melting pot of history. And Jesus, in Luke 19, is descending on Jerusalem. And it says, verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept. While everyone is saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Finally, we are recognizing, yes, Jesus on a call coming in, our Messiah. He weeps. Verse 42 says, and he said, if you, even you, O Jerusalem, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And so Jesus is coming into this most holy city. He's coming into the city of David, and he comes humbly. He comes humbly. Luke 19, verse 37, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. And, it's, and they said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, and peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, even the stones will cry out. This was not metaphoric. The whole creation awaits for the revelation of the sons of God. There is something in the whole earth. This is what Christianity, the word of God is not for the Christians. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. So Christ comes in, into Jerusalem humbly this time. Matthew 11 verse 5, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And what is important to realize is that Jesus coming in humbly is for a specific purpose. He's coming in, and most of the people are laying down before him their clothes, laying down before him. There are branches that they cut, but what he's after is after their hearts. The Old Testament prophet said, rend your hearts, tear your hearts, and not your garments. When men would repent, they would tear their hearts and put sand on their head. And so the prophet says, that's not what God is after. God is after your heart. Ask your neighbor, where's your heart? 
You look nice. You're well-dressed for church. Your garments are good. You're waving your branch. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. But where is your heart? Where is your heart? And Jesus comes on a beast of burden. It says, Matthew 21, verse 10, When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And most people have this idea that Jesus is only a great moral teacher. It is a popular view, the popular secular view. Ask Oprah, ask Deepak Chopra. They will redefine the claims of Christ in order to relegate him to the box of somebody who lived a good life and has great principles and you can do the same. Jesus did not come to set an example for us. He never came to set an example for us. Wrong, 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 wrong. It is anyway a life that cannot be emulated. He didn't come to set an example for Jesus Christ is not a prophet from above. He is God in the flesh. And so the king is coming into Jerusalem, this holy city, on a donkey. And he is established on a beast of burden. Why? Because the prophet said in Isaiah 53, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He is on a beast of burden to carry the weight of sin. You and mine. Yours and mine. And it says, oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Each one to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then it says, he was pierced. He was pierced for our transgressions. And he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So he's coming as a king to be sacrificed. He's coming into this city while others rejoice. He comes weeping. And on the first day of the week, the people are celebrating and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And rallying and saying, Viva, we have a new king. The Romans will see now. And yet, on Friday, they are ready to say crucify him. What happened in between? What happened was that these people expected Christ, the Messiah, to come and deliver them politically. It was to emancipate them from their oppression. And halfway through the week, when they realized that this Jesus is not going to deliver on that kind of messianic expectation, away with him. Anyway, because this was going to be crushed by the Romans. If there was going to be any political uproar, there was going to be a serious crushing by the ruler of the earth at that time, the Roman Empire. So who's the only one that can defend him? Jesus, he's got miraculous powers. He walks on water. He heals so he's a good leader. But halfway you realize that he's not part of the agenda, then give us somebody else. And so they take him, and Jesus is on trial on Friday for treason. He said that he's a king. There's already a king. How can you claim that there's a king? It's a, it's a treasonous trial. And so he stands before Pontius Pilate, the prefect, 
And his wife told him, be careful with this man. Because his wife had a dream. You know, when your wife have a, has a dream, <laughs> you must listen. So he listens to his wife. His wife has a dream and says, this man is innocent. Watch out. And, and Pontius Pilate tries everything. He washes his hand. He's innocent. He tells them, look, I've, I've assessed this man. There's nothing wrong with him. And then they say, hey, don't start with those things. If you release this man, we will tell Caesar that you are not Caesar's friend. Because this man claims to be a king, and that is treason. How can you endorse it in your province? So then Caesar decides, okay, wait. Every year during the feast of Passover that you have now, I always release for you a political prisoner. Not just any prisoner. Barabbas was not just any kind of prisoner like gangster doing drive-by shoots and all of that. No. Barabbas was an activist leading the rebellion, killing Romans. He was the type of Messiah that they wanted politically. And his name means, Bar means son of, Abba means father. His name is son of the father, Barabba. It's like Bar, Bar, Bar Joseph. Son of Joseph. Eh? Bar Abba. Son of the father. And so Pontius Pilate says, let me, let me put Barabbas next to Jesus. Surely. <laughs> Surely the people will say, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, okay. Give us Jesus. Mm -mm. They said, give us Barabba. Why? So that the revolution can continue. Aluta. Give us this Barabbas Aluta Continua. This is why as Christians, we cannot shout Hosanna on, on Monday. Which political uh, uh, emancipation are we seeking? Nothing. Are we under oppression from the Romans? No. But what can we shout? We can shout Hosanna on Sunday when Jesus is coming out of the grave with all power in his hand, with the keys of death and hell. But over here, if Pontius Pilate says to us, what shall I do with this Jesus? We must shout together with those, those priests and say, crucify him. And many of us are like, no, no, don't crucify Jesus, no. That's the wrong response. The prophecy from the high priest was, it is better for one man to die for the whole nation than for the whole nation to die for one man. He was prophesying he didn't know what the Bible says. And so, when they were bringing Jesus, he was performing a sacrificial act. This was a substitutionary act. This is why, if you cannot shout, crucify him! Crucify him for whose sake? For my sake! If I cannot take his crucifixion for my sake, then I must go on the cross myself. And who can extinguish their own evil heart? And so Jesus is coming in, humble, on a donkey to bear sin, to bear shame, to bear reproach, to bear rejection, to bear pain, to bear crucifixion as a king. And this is what Pontius asked him. Pontius Pilate, when he was examining him, he said to him, are you a king? 
in his, in his, in his Roman garb. <laughs> I know kings. I know kings. So are you a king? You're here tied up. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, my kingdom is not of this world. And Pontius said, then, then you are a king then. <laughs> Almost more king. To say, what kind of king? What kind of king is this? And then what Pontius Pilate did is interesting. On the cross of Jesus, he puts a sign. Here is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. What the Roman soldiers did as well, they put a crown on his head of thorns. That delivering us from depression, oppressive, insomnia, anxiety, suicide, crown of thorns, sweating blood, so that you will not. And then they put a purple robe on him. They struck him. And they pulled his beard and they said, prophesy. Blindfolded. Prophesy. Tell us who hit you. And many times we don't understand this, this God that we serve. That he handles us so fragile. Because of the kindness of his, his rich in mercy. Slow to anger. Abounding in loving kindness. And so Jesus comes in on a donkey. Weeping. Weeping. And then he gets dis destroyed for a week. And he dies on Friday for sins that he did not commit. And so on the third day he rises. And this is what I want to show you here, and we, we're ending our time. This Jesus is covered from his glorious nature. Why? Because, Phil, come here. The Bible says that the Apostle John, the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. This John also wrote the gospel according to John. In that gospel, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. So when they were running to see if Jesus was raised from the dead, he ran faster than Peter. Then he said, the disciple whom Jesus loved arrived first. <laughs> right? And it says the disciple whom Jesus, he refers to him as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then at the night of the Last Supper, where Jesus was being betrayed, it says that as they were sitting, like reclining at the table in, in oriental fashion, John was leaning on Jesus's, on Jesus's chest. This is how familiar he was with the Lord. This is the friendship that homies that they were. Yeah? And then, what happened? Mm -mm, you're not finished yet, Lord. <laughs> and what would happen is that the, at that night he said to them, one of you will be trained. Everyone is like, I am. Uh, uh, me, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Then the guys asked John, ask him. Who it is. Because John had this access to Jesus. And so John asked, Lord, who is it? Then the Lord says to him, it's the one that will put the morsel of bread with me in the cup. As Jesus was putting, Judas also put. And then John was like, chow, 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 chow. <laughs> <laughs> yo, 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 yo. And then Judas left the group. 
he went to do something else because the devil entered him. Amen? And so this John, who was so familiar with Christ, in the book of Revelation chapter 1 and 2, he says that he was exiled because they couldn't kill him. There was something about John. They boiled him because of Roman persecution. They boiled him and boiled him and boiled him, and he wouldn't die. Then they said, uh -uh, this one, exile. They put him on the island of Patmos. And he says, on the day of the Lord, I saw a vision. And I heard a voice behind me. And when I turned around, it was the shape of a son of man. And he had fire in his eyes. And his hair was white as wool. And out of his mouth came a sword. His feet were bronze. And he wore a, a golden sash. And he held seven stars in his hand. And this John that knew Jesus didn't say, Lord, is that you? <laughs> he, he was so terrified by this vision. It says that his face shone like the sun. He fell over like a dead man. Boom. And many of us still have this picture of Jesus that we got from pre-primary school, from Sunday school. Him holding the lamb over his shoulders, running through the meadows. <laughs> Very effeminate picture of Jesus. You don't see a warrior king. When you sing, let our king, you are like Pontius Pilate. Let our king. Be lifted. But John had a revelation. He saw the Alpha and the Omega. He said, I was dead, but I am alive now. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. This is him reintroducing himself to his friend. And so the, the cloak of humility that we saw him on a donkey has now been unveiled. And here we read about the future return of the king, which is soon. If you see what's happening in Israel and Jerusalem, it's soon. Let's read together Revelation 19. And, and China prophesied it before. We read it together. Then I saw, one, two, go. Then I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, no longer a donkey, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war, no longer weeping. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will ruin them with a rod of iron. He will tread winepress of the fury, the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, his name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is him coming into Jerusalem. I'm telling you, the Bible says that on that day when Jesus returns, there will be a trumpet sound. The whole creation will hear it. Beast and human being. 
responding. And the whole creation begins to tremble. And the heavens begin to change color and they begin to split open. And all you hear is... And it's horses coming and angels coming. The Lord is returning. And it says that the nations will weep. Kings and presidents and ministers will weep. Because the Lord is returning and he's coming no longer to bear sin. He is coming this time as judge of the living and the dead. Every man must give account. He will have a, a great white throne, a bima throne. And those who are righteous with his righteousness will rejoice. But those who have forsaken salvation which came through the blood of the Son of God will gnash their teeth. And they will regret a thousand times. Every time they heard about this Jesus and mocked him in their words. And so tonight the question is, who is he to you? Are you shouting Hosanna, Hosanna politically over here for your short-term gain? Are you realizing that there is salvation in no other except Jesus Christ? Are you realizing that he is no longer the meek and mild savior? He is the king of glory coming back to take up his glorious church. The Bible says that he will enter Jerusalem and establish his throne in Jerusalem and rule for a thousand years. And so tonight, we, as we were worshiping, I was so aware tonight. I was so aware of the glory of Jesus. So aware of the glory of Jesus. I, I, I hope that you'll have a revelation. Be it in a dream, be it through the word. That you will understand this Jesus that you call Lord. That he is glorious and great. That he is glorious and great. And he is worthy of all. He is worthy of all. He's worthy of all. Let us stand. I hear depression breaking off people's lives in the name of Jesus. I hear incurable, incurable diseases breaking off coming from the generations, fear of death, fear of death breaking off tonight in the name of Jesus. Just lift up your hands to the, to the King of Glory. Malako baya bala son kolabra ya samalado hosanda ya kaya Malaya zaya polo ya kendara baso haya ya 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 Lika ege so malanda kuo mantele kamaro Malagi ashode salayara tonu Haven't you heard, haven't you heard, haven't you heard The king of glory is returning haven't you heard, haven't you heard of the mystery of the fire that consumes? 
He is returning for a spotless bride without blemish, without spots. In the end, he will rule, he has said, it is finished, and it is finished, he has finished it. Oh, 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 Jesus Christ, you are ruler of the nations over all the earth. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to your rule. King Jesus Christ, you can have my heart forevermore. Oh, King Jesus Christ, you can have my heart forevermore. God is just shifting people's revelation of him. The majesty of Jesus is just exploding in your heart. Your faith in Christ is becoming more solid like a mountain, unmovable, unshakable. Visions are breaking out in your life like never before. Heavenly encounters, heavenly invitations, heavenly visitations are beginning to take place tonight. Malia Sampalabara Masati. Fear is breaking off. There is only one fear, and that is the fear of the Lord Jesus. Let the mountains quake. Let the heavens be open. And we will not fear in the face of the Lord Almighty. He is glorious. He is glorious. He is glorious. <laughs> he is glorious. He is glorious. The Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's roaring on the earth. He's saying, all the earth is mine. The lamb that was slain has become the lion of Judah. No longer weeping. He laughs, he laughs. He who sits in heaven laughs and roars. Victory. Come again. Though the earth was cursed by Adam, Jesus came to redeem the earth. He is the only way for every man. He is the only way for every man. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. You feel that? I am a lover, Just draw near to his heart. Draw near to his heart. You have nothing to hide. 
This is all things, this is all things. Lay every other idol aside. There is only one throne and it belongs to Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, I prophesy in the name of Jesus over every single person here tonight. God, I thank you for new levels of revelation. Thank you for new levels of intimacy like John. Father, thank you, Lord, for new levels of breakthrough like we spoke earlier on. I thank you for miracles and signs and wonders that are portion as sons and daughters of the Most High, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that the same glory that you've given to Jesus, you said that you've given it to us, Lord. And we are of the same family with our older brother, Jesus Christ, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you. Give us a heart for the nations. Give us a heart for what you have a heart for. Thank you, Lord. There's a shift taking place tonight. Never again the same. Never again the same. Take for yourself, Lord Jesus Christ. Take for yourself whoever you want, Lord. Set them on the path of a calling. Set them on a path, Lord, of your purpose. Set them on a path of why they were born. Set them on a path of what you have for them, Lord. Clarify your purpose. Clarify. Commission them, Lord God. Tell them. Speak to them, Lord. Your children. Your children. Your sons and your daughters. Rider on the white horse. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, God. Hallelujah. There are angels in this place. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't fear. God is with you. God is with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Lord, for this realm that is unlocked tonight, Lord, through your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's going to continue. It's going to continue this whole week. It's going to continue this whole week. All the way to resurrection. All the way to resurrection Sunday, Lord. That there is a power revelation that we are getting this week. An impartation from your throne, Lord. That's taking place this week, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, even for those who are new to this, Lord. Thank you, God. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, God. You bring revelation, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. <laughs> yes, God. Yes, God. God is healing broken hearts tonight. Broken hearts are being healed tonight. Shame is lifting off you. Shame. You feel like you disappoint people all the time. You've disappointed a lot of things. God is breaking that off your life tonight in the name of Jesus. Shame is breaking off. It's leaving. It's fleeing your life. God is restoring you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hands for the blessing as we close. Father, I declare your blessing over your sons, your daughters. Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving in our midst, Lord. There's no doubt. Thank you, Lord, that no one can limit what you want to do. So have your way, Holy Spirit, in their lives. I pray your blessing this week, Lord. Dreams, visions, encounters, Lord, visitations. Father God, as we come to our great Hosanna in your resurrection, Lord, as something different will come forth. Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus.
Everybody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.